how do I notice those areas where the ego goes out of control, where I am consumed by and overtaken by the ego? And then I don't get mad at myself. I get excited that now I have the opportunity and eyes to see mm-hmm. a new area for me to expand and grow in. Welcome to Satori Prime's Have It All podcast, where you get your fix of personal development without any of that fluff podcast dedicated to the unending quest of self-discovery and remembrance. You'll discover new breakthrough thinking and feeling technology that will cause shifts in all areas of your life, your finances, your body, relationships, and most importantly, your mind. You'll uncover your truest self and for probably the first time in your life, feel 100% worthy of having it all. It's time to stop talking and fantasizing about your dream life and start living it. So get ready to have your mind expanded in the best way possible. Now, fair warning, if you implement what you learn here, your life will never, ever be the same. So are you ready to have it all? Let's go. All right, my friend. So going forward, I'd love to start the podcast with a little bit of an acknowledgement to you, our loyal listeners. Now, I've recently gone into iTunes and actually read some of the incredible reviews that some of you have left. And I figured it'd be an amazing way to start each podcast. And if you hear your name and your review being read, if you reach out to me at elon at satoriprime.com, I will send you a very personal and wonderful gift. So today, I'm going to start with uh, Oldie But a Goodie by Sean Thomas P., who wrote, As I started to type what I wanted to say, I immediately got goosebumps, and they are still here as I continue. There are really no words that truly describe how much Guy has changed my life. The authenticity, the passion, the craving that these men have for people to become the best versions of themselves is astonishing. I am forever grateful for the universe to put these two humans together and from the bottom of my heart, love these two like my own family. Thanks for all you do and all the sacrifices you both make to making the world a better place. So thank you so much for that, Sean Thomas P. And if you reach out to Elon at Satoriprime.com, I will send you a personal gift. And now to the show. All right. Welcome, welcome, everybody. I'm excited. I'm excited because today, my special guest, if you guys can see him here, um, let me give you guys a little bit of background. It was about 12 years ago, and I met this man at who would become my brother-in-law's celebration before his wedding. And we connected, we met, and I remember walking away going, wow, he is not like any other rabbi I have ever met in my entire life. And through the years, we've just developed an awesome relationship. And Rabbi Weinstein was actually my rabbi. I, I asked and requested that he be the rabbi that does our wedding um, for a multitude of reasons. And as we've both matured, I think in our journeys and expanded where life has taken us. I find it incredibly um, interesting how we were just at another event family because Rabbi Weinstein is super close with uh, with our family. 
and we end up reading similar books. He goes, hey, by the way, have you read this book, uh, 12 Rules for Life? And I literally open my Audible and I'm on chapter eight of the book and it's happened many, many times. And so first and foremost, before I tell people what the conversation we're going to have here, I just want to welcome you to our uh, podcast officially. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> it really is special to be on Elon's podcast. <laughs> You know, we, we uh, always have incredible conversations, you and I, and um, what I love is, you know, Rabbi Weinstein, because of his varied breadth of knowledge, um, always gives me very, very interesting and unique spins on, on certain concepts and distinctions. And something came up where we were talking about Ryan Holiday's book, I think it was like two books ago at this point, called Ego is the Enemy. And we started going back and forth about Ego is the Enemy. And Rabbi Weinstein had mentioned that, you know, this will take a longer thing than, than just going back on a few texts. So I suggested, hey, this would be a really cool conversation to, to have live and record. And he was generous enough. So that was kind of the catalyst to this whole thing. And we're going to see where this goes. I'm sure it's going to be absolutely amazing. Well, all right. So let's start with this. You know, the question that I posted here, is ego your enemy or friend or something else? And I'm just going to open the floor to you and let you kind of share your insights about it. And we'll we'll see where this goes. All right. Well, th this is actually like touches on one of the central ideas that mean a lot to me. Mm. And like every conversation, we first need to define what we're talking about, because sure. if we have different definitions of the same word, we're really just talking about two different things using the same word, which is, it makes it very confusing. So I'll define ego as simply as I can in the way I'm using it. Okay. And then we can make sure we're talking about the same thing. Sure. So when I hear the word ego, different people use it as self-esteem, empowerment, or some other types of words. But to me, ego means anything that is self-oriented, that makes something about me where I am the center of it. Mm. And one of the, uh, the, the, the central, most healthy thing that a person can do is live a life which is not about me, where I am not at the center. And now that needs some clarification, but I'm just putting that out there as is, and then we can clarify it in the conversation. But yeah. it just means I am not the center of anything I do. And uh, for a religious person, that is because I understand I was, I was put here by design for a purpose, for a mission, you know, or whatever type of beliefs someone may have, um, as long as there's some type of a creator or an original source. So I'm here for a reason, and I'm here to be dedicated to that reason, not to be dedicated to myself. Got it. I need myself in order to be able to do all of that. And that's going to, I'm sure that'll be a part of the discussion that evolves here, but it can't be about myself. And um, this is true not only on a philosophical uh, level, but it's true on a very practical level. The more myself is in the way, the more I stumble over myself. And that's just a very clear for anyone who's dedicated themselves to any area of life in a very serious way and is pursuing some level of excellence a very simple example is here I am talking to you on this podcast. And I, if I check in with myself, I have to ask myself, how nervous are you right now? 
uh, me, I'm talking to myself, right? How, how nervous am I? And if I am self-conscious, or let me say this way, to the level that I am self-conscious, because that I am self-conscious, is, I have no doubt. But the question is to what level I am. And the greater my feeling of self-consciousness is right now, the less I am going to be able to be with you yes. and with everyone who's listening and with the conversation and the subject. And I'm going to lose my ability to really be clear. So clarity to and devotion to the thing that we're doing at hand is always diminished. It's hampered by our presence of self. And that is what I define as ego. Awesome. Well, I have a question about that. And while you're doing that, I actually pulled up just the Webster's definition of ego because I was just curious what yeah. uh, you know, that <laughs> definition is. So it says the self, especially as contrasted with another self or the world. And then the other one says the one of the three divisions of the psyche in psychoanalytical theory that serves as the organized conscious mediator between the person and reality, especially by functioning both in the perception of an adaptation to reality. Yeah. So that was the definition there. Okay. Uh, whatever that means to, to different people. Here's my question to you based on your definition. When you defined ego, to me, it sounded less like an aspect of us and more like a idea and a concept, like living, f- living for something other than me, is, to me sounds more of like an objective than an aspect of me. Does that make sense? So like if I, if I were to define it, just to take it a step further, if I was to look at ego the way I would look at ego, I believe there are basically two inherent aspects of of the human experience for us. There's the soul that gets put into this body. Um, For me, I believe the soul speaks through the heart and intuition and and the body and communicates in that way. And then there is the ego or what people would say might be the egoic mind. And that is the thing that, you know, like Webster says, is the thing that's opining on everything and uh, judging everything and, and yelling, the inner critic, all that. So for me, the definition of ego is more almost like two separate entities within the system versus the, the what I heard from you at least uh, explain this idea of um, like an objective to live from. Yeah. So did I hear you correct or... I like your, your, the way you're dis- making a distinction between the soul and something else, which you didn't define. Um, I'm not sure what you mean by objective, but, but let me step in because I, I, I'm happy you used that language because that will help me in, in taking what I was telling you to a deeper level, which I think is aligned with your level. Okay. So there are two, there are two uh, I'm going to generalize here and say that there are two aspects to every person. Actually, before I go down this road, I also want to point out there's another important point I'd like to make about your soul and heart, if we can get to that later. Yeah, absolutely. Which I think is very valuable. But there's the, there's the soul, which is our spirit. And then there is our body, which is our tool. And one is primary, one is secondary. When we make the secondary primary, 
we create we we create confusion in our life. Yes, and that creates problems. And when we in the case of making secondary primary, when we, when we make our body, our or or our self the center, as opposed to our soul, which is a what I would describe as a completely selfless entity, which is completely devoted to purpose and mission then we are living in a very healthy way. So ego is identified with body and the lack of ego, selflessness and devotion to purpose is I identify with soul. So I think in that way, we're talking the exact same or very yeah. similar language. Yeah. It's interesting, you know, and just to, just to take this a little, another step there, a lot of the work, and, and I think religious work also, but a lot of the work that I personally done, I can speak for myself, in the beginning of my journey was very cerebral based because this has the ability to hypnotize human beings, um, hypnotize them to the state where they do. Uh, I'm not even talking about the unfathomable things that we hear on the news. I'm just talking about like the day to day crap that people deal with and continuously put themselves in. It's like if you were standing outside of your body and looking at the things that you did on a day-to-day -day basis, most human beings would be like, how am I still doing? Like why? And it, because it has that amazing power. So like that level of just control over body, et cetera, I get the, the place where I've started to do. So like when you deal with the cerebral you're actually understanding how the mechanism works. This, 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 you know, body and equipment that you have, you, you start to get a better understanding of why it does certain things, how to do things slightly differently to produce different results, to experience more happiness, to experience more love and gratitude and all that kind of stuff. My new experience of body, like a, over the last two years, we've been doing a lot of uh, things with the body. There is, if I could explain it this way, there's a subconscious mind. The subconscious then communicates. And the first thing that it actually communicates with is, is the system, is the, is the body system. So whether it's like, uh, you know, little, little tingles or, you know, maybe your heart gets little squeezed or you were talking about, you know, that, the feeling of nervous. So there's something that happens in the system. And then we label that emotion something, right? That's already like now stepping up into the mind. That emotion or that is what creates our thought patterns. Those thought patterns then create our speech patterns. Those speech patterns basically then create our actions. So where I've started to do personal work is because I lived up here <laughs> in this area of my life, yeah. I had no access to what was happening here. And, and then I started to get curious internally, not like just, you know, I think your definition was more like using this as the primary, but I'm talking like more internal to get clues into what is actually happening in my system so that when my child says something to me and then I react with frustration or anger, well, what circling, like going back and back and back, like, can I actually get to the root cause before I ever have the emotion and before I ever have the thought and before words ever leave my mouth, can I actually feel what's happening in my body where it's, you know, maybe in my solar plexus, something tightens and squeeze. And if I got curious about that, then I would realize like, oh, wow, in this moment, my inner child feels like it's not, 
it's not being heard or not being respected. And then, you know, instead of letting that out on my child, I can actually go internal and deal with it. So I just wanted to make that little bit of a distinction because yeah. there is substantial power to actually understanding that aspect of it in the body. Okay. Can, can I take that to a... At, you, wherever you want. <laughs> okay. Well, I, I want to suggest, and, and, you know, it's going to be in a short amount of time, but a, a, a possibly more profound paradigm. Please. Okay. So there, you know, when, when we're consumed in our head, which I can relate to very well, it's sort of like a hideout because it's safe over there. You know, as long as we're not feeling things, we're, we're protecting ourselves from the vulnerabilities of reality. Well said. But of course, as long as we're hiding from reality, we're also avoiding most of life and, mm. and our ability to actually engage and interact and connect. Mm. Uh, which is a tremendous compromise on what we're here for, uh, we're here to do. So we feel, as I have felt also, very liberated. The more I begin to, as a person who, probably because of my personality, uh, more than anything else, I'm in my head. So the more I liberate myself from that and start to get into my feelings and feel things, I, there's a tremendous euphoria and liberation and almost like, wow, I just discovered America. Like, <laughs> Right, so that's that, that's what happens, right? So, and what ha- and, and what also happens when we have major discoveries is we also want to share that with the whole world because we just discovered something so amazing. Everyone needs to know this, and the truth is, this is a great discovery that we need to, you know, share with people who are lacking it if they're willing to hear it. Yes. Um, however, um, we can both the head and the mind are simply expressions of a much deeper part of ourselves. Mm. Expressions of. That means they are not who we are. They're only expressions of a deeper part of ourselves, which is our soul. Yes. Which is deeper than the mind and deeper than the heart. Um, Our thoughts and our feelings can both be very self-consuming thoughts and feelings. So I can be totally consumed, self-consumed in my feelings. And what a horrible husband I would be if I were so consumed in what I'm feeling, because all you know, because I'm so excited that I found my feelings. Mm. Um, so, what we want to find is there are ego thoughts and ego feelings, and there are egoless thoughts and egoless feelings. And so, w- when my feelings are feelings which are serving a purpose, but not just serving me or about what I'm feeling now, which is so important, then I'm having. A you know a very special feeling, but when it's an ego feeling, I end up tripping over that because I get lost in my feelings in myself. An example, which is which I thought about, I had an incident where I think it was my mother-in-law told me I was once you're sitting in the in our living room and playing with one of our kids, or actually no, it was actually at a family celebration of one of our kids. A life cycle event for one of our kids. I think maybe one of my daughters bought mitzvahs or something like that. And uh, my mother-in-law told me, you were so happy, right? And the funny thing is I was thinking about that for a long time afterwards because I wasn't aware of the fact that I was happy. Mm. And I was frustrated by that because I missed the moment. I was so happy and I didn't even know it, right? Mm. Which was so crazy until I came to the realization that that's actually the true experience of happiness. Happiness is when you're consumed in another and the irony and what is frustrating for our ego is, hey, I missed that. But the point is, you are supposed to miss it because we don't want you here. 
because yep. you make us trip every time you're around. You as in our ego, my ego. Yep. So it's sort of like this catch 22 where if you want to have a real experience, it, there's going to be a part of you that's going to be very absent for it. And that's the only way you can have that experience. And that's having a profound experience. I love it. So it, it brought up a question for me because you were mentioning ego feelings and egoless feelings, right? Yeah. So the way I hear that is if that's the case, then who's generating those feelings? Great question. <laughs> that is a great question. So what's interesting is that there was a, a very profound psychological and spiritual paradigm, which was brought to the public a little bit before, I don't know how many years, but probably uh, 150 years before Freud showed up. <laughs> so Freud came up with the idea of the ego and the superego. But in Judaism, there's another teaching, which you know, is what, what I subscribe to very strongly. And that is that there are two, there are two systems. You know, we're like a, a, a dual core system every, you know, and we have two parts to us. We have a selfless part to us and a selfish part to us. We have, we're being driven by literally two programs running in our system. And that's the reason why we live with so much conflict. Mm. And the question is which one we're going to empower. And the more we empower one, the stronger it gets. So it's a question of whether, you know, um, going, your question, Elon, was, remind me what your, your, your question was. Right now, it's, it's, so if there's ego feelings and ego thoughts and egoless feelings and ego thoughts, where, where they are they being generated from? Yeah. And the answer is that they're being de- generated from their own soul source, which are two individual energies which we have within us. And we all feel that all the time. That's what causes our conflict. Should I do the favor for them or should I not? Now, some of that is because we don't have clarity about whether this would be truly selfless or would be truly selfish. Because sometimes helping someone is selfish. Sometimes helping someone is selfless. There is no such thing as this always being selfless. We have to look at everything in context. Yeah. And one of, the, one, of the, one of the distinctions I always try and explain is that when we're doing something which is about, and let me say this before I make this distinction, the language is not 100% accurate to our language, our English language, but it's the best words I've been able to come up with. If someone has better words, please write them under the Facebook Live. I'd love to hear them. But when we do something which is about ourselves, that is selfish. When we are doing something for ourselves, it is selfless. So if I go on a diet for myself, that means to serve myself being able to do what I have an obligation to do, then I'm doing a selfless act by going on the diet. When I'm going on a diet because I want to look like the coolest guy in the world or whatever, whatever it is that's all about me, that is selfish. You know, sometimes we do good things for very selfish reasons. I'm not sure I would dissuade someone from doing something good just because of doing it selfishly. But as we develop ourselves, we need to realize where that's coming from. And I can be doing, I can be, um, you know, I can be serving my kids for very selfish reasons. I can be serving my kids for selfless reasons. I can be disciplining my kids for very selfish reasons. That's a big one. Or I can be disciplining my kids for very selfish reasons. And what I, what I always find also is that our emotional state will be a great indicator as to where it's coming from. Yeah. 
So you 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 mentioned the two systems, right? Yeah. Um, and then this like ancient teaching, bringing that up. So that's kind of where I today, my understanding is, and maybe the words are slightly different, mm-hmm. but like for me, I would name one system, the ego, and I would name one system, you know, your higher self or your soul, you know, whatever people are comfortable calling it. And that's kind of where the whole conversation that we started is. So, so before I go any further, does that make sense? Like those are basically the two systems. Yeah. Yes. Um, I would say that there are even two souls, but you can say it your way as well. Um, e- either way, I'm not. We won't get quite so up like on an language. egoic soul and a you know higher soul. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Exactly. Okay. okay cool. Can I can I add one thing, Elon? Please. Absolutely. <laughs> Let me just add this one idea. We all know that the body is very temporary. Yes. Okay. The well, soul. Most. And most okay. people listening. Yes. <laughs> okay. Okay. <laughs> I, I know that there, there, there's been a lot, a lot being written about creating, uh, you know, the, the uh, you know, remo- uh, uh, taking away death and that we're, we're going to be able to live forever at some point, whatever it is. All nice ideas, but we're, you know, that's still all uh, theory. The body is temporary. It's, it's always been as far as we, as far as we, we know. And the soul, at least I strongly believe, is eternal. It's yeah. not a temporary thing. It doesn't come and go. It preceded the body. It, will, it outlives the body. It always is. When something has inherent value, it never needs to prove itself. Yes. So Bill Gates can drive up in a jalopy car and get out. And he's totally fine. The guy who's making $200,000 a year, but wants everyone to think he's making $2 million a year, he's got to pull up in a Bentley. Yep. Say, here I am, guys. He's got to show himself off. Yep. Okay, that's not to say, of course, that anyone driving a nice car is showing off. I'm just saying that if a guy is doing it for that reason, that, yeah, because he needs to, because he's not authentic yes. to, to it. Yeah. Right? So the soul does not need to prove anything. That's why the soul is selfless. Yes. The body is desperately trying to say, I am here. I'm the real deal, right? I'm not going anywhere. Serve me. And so it spends its entire life trying to prove itself. Yes. And it's, so that's why it's so self-absorbed and self-oriented because it's yeah. desperate. Yes. Okay. And, <laughs> and to, to take that, like, so I heard a very, very interesting story on this, which they use heart as the communication tool for the soul and the mind as the, basically a communication tool for the ego. And they were saying that, you know, the heart, when we were created, was supposed to be the master, is the master. Um, but this all-powerful heart of ours that, that communicates with us and desires love and to share love over, over everything else, right? To the mind, it doesn't understand that. The mind is more of the doing aspect. It's like the doer, doer, doer. But the mind somehow got it in its in its wisdom that it is in fact the owner and master of this domain. And to your point, the heart who knows itself as the master need not prove that it's the master. So it's like the example they used, if a guy is huge, like, you know, like built like an ox, like 350 pounds and somebody comes over to him, like tries to like mess with him. He's not even going to like engage, you know, he's gonna be like, are you serious? Like, what is like, nothing good is going to come of this. Like, I'm not even gonna bother. And so it just kind of lets the mind think that it is in fact the master. And there is this, like you said, this, this constant battle 
within a human of which of these voices are you going to listen to? The irony, I believe, is that from a very, very young age, between teachers and parents who you know don't know better because they've been trained this way and, and media and, and everything else, we are just taught to follow this and pay attention to this, et cetera, et cetera. And not even in, in the way that we're talking about, just like in a very, very basic level, like this, let this lead. And so for a lot of us that choose a personal development path and a journey, whether it's through religion or meditation or whatever it is, it's funny that we find our voice in the silence and we find our truer self in the moments of you know meditation and contemplation and things like that where we actually quiet this aspect of ours and allow ourselves to hear that voice for the first time. And so, yeah, there's this ongoing battle, I think, with, within every human being between these two aspects of us. Does that make sense? Yeah, the, the only, the, the, the one, again, I'm going to go back to the mind and the heart. I've met a lot of people who said, you know, they're leaving the mind, they're going to be more focused on the heart, but they, they've remained very selfish people. Because the heart is not, doesn't inherently stand in distinction from the mind as a selfless entity. Mm. I just want to make that distinction from my perspective, that, that the mind and the heart are both tools. And the mind is a very important tool. It's not a it's not a bad place. Yeah. Uh, and and the heart is they if they work in partnership selflessly, it is an extremely powerful tool. Yes. And what we we just need to remember that that's not the deepest part of us, and the most profound part of us actually is neither the mind or the heart. But when we permit ourselves, you know, in 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 what sounds like religious language, um, we would call faith, which is when we can step out of our comfort zone, our limits, our controls, which the mind and the heart both control, whether I do feel I do relate to emotionally or not, if I can step outside of that and trust, whether it's another person or a higher you know, uh, entity, that is, that is where we're really go, going into a very big selfless mode. Yes. So, okay. So you highlighted something, and this is kind of where the conversation stemmed from. So I love that we got here. You just said, you know, the heart and the mind are tools. And so when I read, and this is, again, just my perspective, when I read Ryan Holiday's Ego is the Enemy, how can, if something is a part of you, okay, and it, 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 in essence, it's, it, it's a tool, right? What is brilliant to me about the ego is... It shows us opportunities for growth, right? Because the ego is driven by selfish, let's say, let's use these words, by selfish aspects. Every time you're, you have awareness, okay? So this is coming with an overarching concept of like you actually have awareness of understanding like whether in the moment or three seconds later or three years later or anywhere in between – Ego acts, right? Ego drives the self, selfless act. You get feedback from that act. Now, whether we're adults or kids, we only learn by ever experiencing something. You know, like you and I both have kids. 
until you're blue in the face. Don't jump on the couch. You're going to smash your face. Don't jump on the couch. You're going to smash. It never works, right? They got to smash their face. <laughs> and they smash their face and go, oh, what I, that's what dad was talking about. So it's like the feedback of the act, the mechanism of this machine is what, or the system, creates certain things in our lives that if we have awareness, we can actually take a look at and go, oh, interesting. That's why this keeps happening in my life. Or that's why, um, you know, or this is how I can iterate this differently, et cetera. So without that mechanism, again, we don't know because I don't know what other experience we would have as a human being, but like that system God put in us. Mm -hmm. It's part of us. So when I hear enemy, I'm like, if you're in a battle with someone, right? Like if we go to war with someone, the amount of energy and anger and, and, and resistance to that thing, in fact, creates more of the thing. You know, and I know in Judaism too, it's like, it's not about resisting. It's about showing love and gratitude and finding a way to bless any other person, right? Or any other circumstance, et cetera. So to me, when I hear that, I'm like, if you're in a battle with anything, I don't care what it is, you're putting yourself in a situation where you get to experience a lot more of that person or that circumstance. And that was the part that to me sounded like he was starting to scratch the surface of something like he was getting access to, wow, there's this whole egoic part of me as a human being. And there's much, much for me, much, much deeper levels of understanding and building a relationship with the ego and using it as a tool, not as something that I have to get rid of this and never experience this and blah, 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 which I think is, is impossible, but that's, just me. Okay. Very, very, very interesting. You're raising a whole bunch of really um, important fundamental or philosophical ideas. You know, the book, just for the, for book's sake, is a, is a relatively simple read. Yes. I actually didn't finish it, but it's a simple read. It's written very easily and very well. Uh, he doesn't go into all the philosophy behind it. I, yeah. I don't know what his opinions are on it, but he doesn't go into all of this. So we're, we're, we're now deep diving for someone who's thinking a little bit more deeply and saying, but one second, philosophically, how can we just attack? You're right, because when you fight against, against something, then it's very hard to actually redeem it mm. or, or, or transform it. Like so there, there are a number of ideas here. <laughs> um, the, the first thing is, it is true that there are certain... We were designed with healthy parts to us and unhealthy parts to us. I think that's a very important for us to acknowledge, number one. So we were designed this way. And for the very reason, one of the reasons which you, which you spelled out very beautifully, and that is that when we have a challenge, when we stumble over ourselves, we only then do we learn mm. how troubling self-orientation is. If we don't have that in us, then we're not going to understand that. Um, we need to first know, am I in a position to take on this enemy, or do I need to push it away? Sometimes, for example, let's take a, someone who has an addiction, right? So do we tell them, hey, look, you got to figure this out, man. You can't just run away from it. You have to keep the alcohol in your house and figure out how to stop drinking. Don't just get rid of it because you're not dealing with the problem. 
Well, that's very nice idealistically. Realistically, that's not going to work. Um, so what may work is that in five years or 10 years from now, the person can live in a home with alcohol because they develop themselves to now work with the ego and make sure, you know, the alcohol and make sure that the alcohol doesn't get the better of them. Mm-hmm. You see what I'm saying? So yeah. I think that the first step here is to acknowledge that ego is so overwhelming for all of us that the first thing we need to do is say, I need to get it out of the way as much as possible. Once I get it out of the way and I'm gaining more clarity in my life, now I can say, okay, can I bring this in and use it in a positive way and and take its energy and use it for positivity or am I going to be swallowed up in it? It's going to overtake me. So that's why it's not that simple to say for, you know, on a very basic level, we all have desires for things which are, we'll say unhealthy, yeah. okay, or, or in, our, in our value systems morally or ethically wrong, yeah. right? Are we going to say, because I have that feeling and it's a real part of me, therefore I should embrace it? I hope not. This message goes out to anyone struggling with creating massive financial abundance in your life right now. So if that's you, listen very closely. You see, abundance is an energy, a frequency, if you will. And for most, it's pretty elusive. Well, not anymore, my friend. See, Guy and I have just released our latest, most advanced training yet on how to align to the frequency of abundance. That means more money, better health, amazing relationships are all available when you tap into this frequency. See, life no longer needs to be a struggle. What if you received abundance with effortless ease? So if you want to find out more about this amazing new training and how it can completely revolutionize your life, we've actually just released a free three-part mini training filled with amazing exercise that you can start implementing today. In it, you'll explore how to break your self-sabotage patterns, how to shift from sacrifice to gratitude, and how to even reprogram your financial thermostat that's deep in your subconscious and much more, obviously. So if you're ready, all you have to do is head over to primeyourabundance.com and you can get started today. We are so excited to share this breakthrough training with you. Again, to grab it right now, just head to primeyourabundance.com. See you on there. Well, I would say that it's not so much to push it away as to understand what it is. So for example, alcohol, right? Let's, let's just go down that, that rabbit hole for a second. Why? You know, when someone's an addict to anything, it's not about, hey, let's remove the alcohol from here because the alcohol is just the band-aid to the thing that there's that ego is actually pointing at, which is, look, there's some aspect of you that you are not showing love to right now, that you are angry at and, and hateful towards, whether internally or externally. And the inner critic and the voice is so loud that you will do anything from overeating to drinking to sex to drugs to whatever, right? To get yourself out of that state. So in that example, you know, like removing the alcohol out of the house and saying, okay, this needs to go because I need to deal with this. Like that alcohol will just be replaced by something else, whether it's smoking cigarettes or food or whatever, right? It's just... the. It's either we're going to actually take ownership and responsibility and look inward. And that's where I believe like ego is a gift because ego 
you know, if we're looking at the grand game of life, quote unquote, right? Like we've all come here with certain programs to that we get to, if we so choose, it's not like a necessity. If we so choose that we get to look at and upgrade and elevate, right. And, and, uh, redeem. I love that word. It's, it's a great word. Um, then if we just build that relationship and we understand, okay, look, the ego is going to continuously attempt to put me in circumstances that I know for myself are not desirable. Okay. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to do that to myself. Like I'm, your soul, I mean, maybe it would put you in certain circumstances to learn these things as well, but like, it's not going to do that. So if I build the relationship with the ego and, and I am excited would be an overstatement. If I can, can show gratitude for the circumstances that are shown to my life, even addiction, right? Like I've worked with many people who are addicted. Those that get through it, right, will all say that it was one of the greatest things that has ever happened to them. They are completely transformed beings. In it, much harder to see. Out of it, you know, a little bit easier. So, like, what would you say to that? Because we all have those experiences, whether this big or, or that big. I think you're speaking about an idealism, which is not practical. That's what I'm saying. So here's what, let me explain what I mean by that. Please. I agree with you 100% that we need to get to the cause, the root cause, and not deal with Band-Aids or only with Band-Aids. However, we also have to acknowledge that because our ego is so dominating, that if we don't, if we only try and deal with the cause, we will never really resolve our issue unless we create the space to deal with that cause. And the way we create that space is by pushing away the ego, taking out the alcohol. If someone's dealing with an alcohol problem and you want to find out what is the root behind that and you have that conversation in front of a bottle of vodka, you're setting, you know, we're setting this up for failure. Mm. So someone who is in a healthy enough state can have the bottle on the table and have that conversation and not touch it. So I was in a room last night where there was sushi on the table. And I did not want to eat any of that sushi for my own personal (laughs) uh, stomach issues, okay? And at the end of the night, I had three pieces. And that's because my ego is very healthy, just as pretty much everyone I know is, right? And and thank God, I mean, you know, I didn't eat six or eight or 10 pieces that I would normally eat um, because I was in some control. Mm. But the reality is, if I really... If I was in control of that room, in other words, if I, you know, it was involved many people, I would have chosen no sushi in the room and get, in other words, get the ego out of the room because I know that that is, in my current condition, the best, the safest way to be and what will produce the, sa- the best results. Now, that doesn't mean I'm not looking into why I need that sushi and what feelings that's creating in me to cover up whatever issues are bothering me, et cetera. I think about that too, but I, I think we have to be, you know, part of, part of self-work is us being very realistic about what's going to be effective. And idealistic-minded people, and I have this challenge, which is why I speak to it, is that I can get very idealistic and lose touch with reality. Well, okay, so there's a distinction I think that needs to be made because sushi is not ego and the bottle of vodka is not ego. I would say it is. 
Well, that, that, that's, I think, where, where we're talking like a different things because your response to bottle or sushi, that's ego. But the bottle itself is not ego. Okay. Example. Like, Correct. if we're in the same room and sushi's on the table, Correct. I have no egoic reaction to sushi. Agreed, right? agreed. I agree with you. Yeah. <laughs> So, so that's what I'm saying. Like we have to just kind of disassociate that. Like those aren't those things. So when we're pushing something away, I don't mean like, look, I'm all for when someone is in a situation and they have enough awareness to realize, Hey, you know what? Like I have a reaction to sex or sushi or alcohol or whatever that I currently in my current state, I don't have that great a control over. Right. Like that would be stupid to be like, hey, alcoholic, let's go really test this out. We're going to take you to a bar. That's dumb, you know, because we know. But ultimately, that to me, that's not pushing away the ego. That's inviting the ego in and saying, hey, listen, I get that this has been our relationship up until this point. I get that. So, in order for us to work past this, I'm going to take this stuff out, the physical stuff Mm -hmm. that's creating this reaction out of my space. And when we get on better terms and we get to the quote unquote root cause of what this is so that you no longer have this like out of control rage reaction or whatever it is towards this thing, we can start bringing that in slowly. That I'm with you 100%. I, I, I think that's, that's not even idealistic. That's just smart. You know, like, right, right. You, you don't put a, a heroin addict with a needle on the table and be like, Let, let's see what you got, buddy. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And this, so uh, you're 100% correct. The ego is us. Yeah. Uh, it's not the object. And this is a very, and this point that you just made is really fundamental in so many areas of life because as, you know, as, with our great desire to always be a victim and blame, we are saying it's the sushi and it's the alcohol. Of course, it's not the sushi and the alcohol, but they're the provocation of our of our ego. Yes. Um, and each one of us, our egos are provoked by different things, yes. which is our issue, not the alcohol's issue. And yes, but we need to be practical about those things which are going to provoke us. Yeah. So the question, I guess, I would, which kind of like, we'll put a somewhat bow on this. I know we can talk about this for like the next four hours, mm-hmm. is... Um, you know, there's, there's a lot of philosophies like Eastern philosophies about no reaction or, or even in, in, in religion and Judaism and things like that. It's like, you know, love myself, uh, love thy neighbor. Like I love myself, which is kind of like the, the headline of, of all of it. Right. When we are in full, and I'm not saying that human beings, most human beings ever get to this place. Cause I, I, I've been doing this work for 16 years, you even longer. Like we have reactions, we're human beings, like that's just what it is. There are things though that we used to have those reactions to violently, right? And out of control, like you are not even there while it's happening. And now in the same exact circumstance with the same exact thing, there is nothing. You can maintain that state of absolute love and balance and peace. And I believe that both of us internally are very excited when we actually have those thoughts like, wow, you know, two years ago, I would have been irate at this situation. And now, and you like check in and it's like nothing, there's literally nothing. And to me, that's become the game. Like 
how do I notice those areas where the ego goes out of control, where I am consumed by and overtaken by the ego, but not from a standpoint of like, oh, you, I can't believe you did this to me again. And like, and I don't get mad at myself. I get excited that now I have the opportunity and eyes to see Mm -hmm. a new area for me to expand and grow in. And that's why I said, like, for me, ego is not my enemy. Ego is my flashlight almost. It's like like that highlighter that I get to go like, ooh, how interesting. And I can share. I shared a, an example on one of the podcasts. Like I got pulled over by a cop for having tinted windows on my car because New York changes its laws. Not once, not twice. The second time, by the way, was on my birthday. Three times, okay? First two times, cool as a cucumber. Didn't care. Great. Give me the ticket. Even on my birthday, I was like, thank you, officer. On this particular night, the third time, Elon lost his mind. I became so rude to the cop that Fanny sat there, like, could not believe the words that were coming out of my mouth. And then I had the audacity to say this to a cop. And I'm driving home and I am fuming, like rage, steam, everything, just (laughs) total out of body control. And when I finally kind of came back to my senses, right. And I started breathing and like feeling into my senses again, I actually had one of those moments, like where the heck did I just go? Like, and on the one hand, it was just shocking. On the other hand, I have to tell you, like a little part of me was really, really excited because Today, it's those reactions when it's so out of body and so out of my control that I'm just wowed by. I'm like, wow, I didn't even know I still had that in me, you know? And it it just shows this beautiful highlighter that I then get to look at and go, wow, where did that come from? And where did that stem from? And what was the thing that actually triggered? Because it has nothing to do with the tinted windows or the cop or the fact that I'm losing money. It had nothing to do with any of that. And, you know, like it boiled down to after, you know, a few days of meditation and kind of working through it, it boiled down to two simple things. One, I have this like anti-authority part in me that was like, F you, you're not going to tell me what to do, blah, 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 right? But when I got stopped for the third time, my little boy inside was ashamed. And he was really, really sad and upset that he knew what to do, like, Look, you got one message, you get another message like, dude, remove the tints or like follow the law, you know, whatever it is. And when he felt like he was being scolded because he got pulled over again, he got really upset. That would have been like if I was actually in tune and aware in that moment, I could have actually dealt with that and been like, oh, buddy, like that's we got that. It's fine. Like we will handle it. But instead, it was like, you did this to me and da-da-da and the government and you're trying to steal money. And my wife is sitting there like, oh, my God, what are you talking about? <laughs> so that's that. does that make sense? Like, does that Yeah, make- yeah, yeah, yeah. Actually, let me, let, me, let me tell you a couple of things. Please. And, and I'll comment on the ego is the enemy, ultimately. Yeah. But I, I always, you know, um, I have an online course. And what I tell people, it, which is all about a lot of all of this type of stuff. And what I tell people is, don't think that in the moment, you're going to be able to do these exercises. Because mm-hmm. in the moment, you're in, you're in a different zone. Yep. 
So don't start with the moment. Start after the moment. Go back to moments. This is exactly what you're saying. Go back to moments and revisit them and say, how should I have been if I was my ideal self? And the more you do that, the more you'll start catching yourself in the moment. Yep. And that's how change slowly happens. So there, there's a... So you've been to uh, you've been to um, our synagogue, right? Yeah, so, absolutely. Can so, I just, like, before you go down that road, just one one word. You said, yeah. "How should I have been?" I would just offer to say, "How could I have been?" Because there's like, there's yes. no good way. Like, how could I have? Yes, approached? better than the judge. Yeah, should have is a judgment. Yeah, yeah, I agree with you. Yeah, yeah. So yes, I'm um, so 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 uh, Yom Kippur is like the uh, you know is 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 one of the keynote addresses for a rabbi. Yes. So one year I did something which was out of the box for me because really by nature I'm an introvert. So I'm like, you know, just stand there and talk. (laughs) But um, I also wanted to drive home the message. I didn't want it to just be another speech, you know. So one year I came out with a ladder, which was like way out of the box for, I don't think anyone ever saw that. (laughs) And and by the way, people always remind me of that speech because I'll never forget it because it was the speech where the rabbi came with the ladder. So it anchored the message into them. And I climbed up to like, you know, it was like a, you know, like a six foot ladder. I climbed up to like the fifth step. And I said, there can be someone who is on this step, this rung in their life. They're way at the top of the ladder. Unbelievable. And then I stepped down to like the first step. And I said, there can be someone who's on the first step. And they're way down over here. Who is higher? Hmm. And I shared with them a teaching from Rabbi Menachem Mendel of Kutsk, a great Hasidic master, great mystic. And he said that it makes no difference which rung you're on. The only difference that matters is which way you're going. So if the guy on the first rung is moving up, he's way higher than the guy on the top rung who's moving down or is even static, which really is impossible in life. You're either moving up or moving down. You're always moving. So um, the, the point is, as you said, life is not, I think we're also conditioned um, to believe that we're trying to reach certain goals in life, whatever they may be. We're trying to get a degree. We're trying to make a certain amount of money. We're trying to reach a certain level of status, et cetera, et cetera. And the truth is life is not about an achievement. Life is about the process. Yes. And this is exactly what you're saying. It's about how we're developing ourselves and using the feedback of our own mess ups or of our own ego that is making us stumble to develop ourselves. And without that obstacle, which is the name of his other book, which I didn't read, Obstacle is the Way. That book is fantastic. (laughs) But but, but, so here's the funny thing. The same, uh, actually, it just occurred to me now, the same author is writing both messages Ego is enemy and obstacles the way. So maybe the way to reconcile it is this way. <laughs> <laughs> there are people, similar to the example you gave before about uh, recovering alcoholics, right? And, and, and I agree with you firmly. Like, I, I, I thank God that's not one of my problems. I, I have other issues, but that, that's not one of them. But I probably have equal issues. But um, yes, the blessing, when I see someone who came out of it, I'm envious of them because of the beauty that, 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 that they are right now, which you can only get if you go through that process. Absolutely. There, are, there are people who, on a, on a, and maybe a more, possibly a more severe degree or, or maybe touches us more, people who have had um, serious cancer and went through years of terrible suffering and have come out the other side, who, and they will say that this has been the biggest blessing in my life. Yes. 
right? And they will also say, I wish I had never gone through it. Yes. But now that I have, it's the biggest blessing in my life. Now, was cancer the blessing? No, cancer is not a blessing. It's the lessons that they were able to learn through it that was the blessing. Yes. So ego is the enemy. But ego does offer us silver linings, which we can take out of it. So possibly ego is the enemy, but as long as we know that ego, that ego is the enemy, then we can realize that through overcoming the obstacle called ego, we can find tremendous uh, beauty in our lives and about ourselves so we can live a much more beautiful life. Maybe that's a way to reconcile it. So, the, so obstacle is the way, by the way. What I loved about that is, you know, people have a definition of obstacles. Obstacles are challenges. Obstacles are hard. Obstacles are this. And the entire book of Obstacle is the Way is reprogramming for the human mind that you get to see obstacles as opportunities. That, to your point, you know, it's not about getting somewhere. It's about the journey that you take to get there. And, and whether on that journey you get to move the boulder or step above the boulder or around the boulder, like get super excited when you see the boulder, right? So in that respect, he was like, love the boulder. Yeah. Whereas in ego state, he was like, hate that thing. Mm. <laughs> and that's, yeah. that's the part to me. I was like, I, I, I'm not quite you know, with it. I do believe he made some very interesting points in the book to highlight how the ego functions. And, and I did. I, I really thought yeah. he did some great, great work in that. Mm-hmm. I think my prediction is that five, 10 years time from now, because Ryan is also super young. So it's something to remember. Like yes. he is incredibly young. He's having a whirlwind of a life but he, I, he's probably like, at this point, I don't even think he's 30. You know, he, he's really, really young. My prediction is that five, 10 years from now, he is going to rewrite something about ego as his journey continues that will relate more to him building a relationship with ego versus being at war with his ego. And that, that was basically the part where I was reading. I was like, uh, it's good. He's just like early on in his path. And I think he'll, he'll learn some, some other stuff down the road. I'll tell you how I see it, which is a bit different than the way you're describing it. Yeah. I mean, it's really what I just said before, but we don't look at the boulder and embrace it. But once the boulder is given to us, we, we want to extract as much gold as we can from it. So like in our morning prayers, we say, um, do, not, do not test me, God. But we know that every single test God gives us is a growth opportunity. That's all it is. Um, However, we're not looking for the challenge because challenges are risky. Because you win some, you lose some. Um, So we never never look for that obstacle. But if it's given to us, we take it on um, full strength. Oh, interesting. Um, Yeah. Interesting. That is definitely a, a different twist. That's yeah, well, that's clearly the way. That's clearly the way I see it, and the way Judaism um, uh, tells us to look at it. Interesting. Yeah, that is that is definitely like I, I would look at that very differently, and I can see how that would kind of tie into the conversation of the ego as well. Yeah. Huh. Fascinating. You know, Rabbi, like this is what I absolutely love, and for those that you are listening in or, or listening on the replay or whatever, you were. 
one of the first, if not the first, rabbi, so like devote to one religion person that I had ever remembered speaking to where the conversation didn't turn into someone trying to prove the other person wrong. And I remember distinctly walking away from that conversation in serious awe because it was a conversation. And, you know, there's plenty of people in the family, you know, some of which, you know, and family and friends where we would have these conversations. It's like, let me prove why I'm right. And, and I just so I didn't enjoy those conversations because I wasn't in the conversation to have one person prove themselves right. And who cares? At the end of the day, it's like, it's a conversation, right? It's like, I want to learn from you. Hopefully you want to learn from me, et cetera. And I remember that distinctly, like walking away being like, wow, that was so unexpected. And time and time again, through the years, a decade plus, it never ceases to amaze me the ability that we have to discuss certain things with open-mindedness uh, that keeps building on ideas and conversations. And um, I, I hope the same for you, like walking away with this feeling of like, I learned something today because I was open to receiving information and not just trying to be right and prove my point of view right. Because I think both of us realize like, it's our point of view, do with it what you want. Like, we're going to go on our merry way. So yeah, I just really want to acknowledge you because it, it just, if this conversation proved nothing to anyone, it just, I, I love that interaction with you. Thank you. That means what you just said means a lot to me. I really appreciate that. And I have to say that I truly do feel the same about you. You know, the reason why I got so excited about you once did that Facebook live with the, uh, the Tefillin story. Yes. You know, I, I love that, that story. Not because you were putting on tefillin, which from a religious point of view is fantastic, but what I really loved about the story, I expressed this to some people, is the fact that you are so open that you're willing to say, I'm going to make a commitment, mm. and, right? And I, and, and I challenged other people to say, are you open to things which are outside of your reality the way Elon's open to things which are not his, his lifestyle? And that is that, and that's the only way we can expand and grow. And power is not the way; it's all about influence. Mm. Interesting. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. I like that. All right, we'll leave it with that, everyone. I would love to hear in the comment box. Please send Rabbi Weinstein love in here. And uh, if you guys have any comments, questions, anything that we can uh, extrapolate on and continue the conversation, please let us know, Rabbi bottom of my heart. Thank you as always. I look forward to seeing you in person very, very soon. I hope you have an incredible week. In honor and pleasure, Elon. Thank you so much. Thank you. I really hope you enjoyed that awesome conversation as much as I did. And as always, thank you for your continued loyal support and your listening. A couple of things. If you haven't already done so, make sure you go to Facebook right now and request to join our amazing private group. It's called Personal Development Without the Fluff. It's a quickly growing community with some amazing souls and amazing support. So if you've enjoyed this podcast, I can promise you, you will absolutely love that group. That's where we make all of our exclusive content available as well as trainings 
that are just for the group accessible to you and your fellow Satorians. So make sure you request access to that group immediately. Also, if you haven't done so already, we've put together an incredible app. You can go to satoriprime.com forward slash app and get immediate access right now to a 10-part mindset reboot training. It is an eye-opening, mind-expanding experience that you do not want to miss. Well, until we meet again, have an amazing day, my friend. I look forward to personally connecting with you and seeing how Satori Prime can help you in achieving your dream life real soon. Have an amazing day.